Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 144 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about one thing that God cannot do. Let's dive in. I don't know about you, but when I was a young kid, I remember a question that was frequently asked. And again, it was often asked to kind of talk about God's bigness and the fact that he's mighty or potentially to poke at that. But the question was this, can God create a rock so big that he couldn't pick it up? And the idea is, well, if he can do anything, well, then couldn't he make a rock that's huge that he couldn't pick up, but he's all, he's almighty. He's all, he's full of strength. So he should be able to do that. So how can he do anything and yet not be able to do the very thing he's called to do? Well, if you want my honest opinion, I think it's a rather dumb question. (laughs) But biblically, there is one thing that God cannot do. And it is amazing that when you begin to grapple with and understand this one thing that God cannot do, it actually produces a greater confidence and trust in him. Well, here's the one thing that God cannot do biblically. And that is God cannot defy his nature. He is who he is. And therefore, he cannot be opposite of that which he is. In other words, you recognize that God does not have sin. In fact, 1 John tells us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, which means that one thing that God cannot do is, well, God cannot produce sin. God is not going to participate in the darkness. Why? Because he is perfect light. So if he is perfect holiness and if he is perfect righteousness and he is perfect love, do you recognize that he cannot violate that nature of who he is? Which means he is not a sponsor of wickedness. He is not an author of sin. I love when you look at the Ten Commandments. One of the reasons why God gave the Ten Commandments wasn't just because, well, that's a great way to live in community. Yeah, don't kill people, don't lie, you know, and don't steal. Well, obviously that works great in community, but it seems like biblically the main reason why God says, well, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery is because it is a revelation of his character. 
God says, you are my people. And so therefore, if you are my people and you are reflecting me, then you can't murder. Why? Well, God says, because I'm not a murderer. And if you as my people who bear my name begin to murder people, then the people who look at you go, oh, well, then your God must be a murderer. God says, I'm not a murderer. So you cannot murder. God says, hey, look, I don't lie. So therefore you cannot lie. See, I don't commit adultery. Therefore you cannot commit adultery. And we as the people of God are to reflect God's nature. That when the when the world looks upon us, they should go, oh, I, I'm starting to understand who God is. Not because we are God. <laughs> Please understand that. But because God is reflecting his nature in and through us. So God cannot violate his nature. He's not a murderer. He's not an adulterer. He's not a liar. He's not a thief. And when you begin to walk through the Ten Commandments, you begin to recognize it, that the Ten Commandments is a reflection. It's a portrayal of the reality, of the nature, of the character, the attributes of who our God is. I love what Numbers 23, 19 says. The author says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? See, God is not a liar. See, he is. He, there is no lie within him. Why? Because he is perfect truth. Now, the enemy, Satan, he is the father of lies and therefore his whole being is full of deception. But see, that's not who our God is. See, God has constrained himself where he actually cannot just do anything he wants to. See, he has limited himself to only function according to his nature. See, God cannot lie biblically. See, God cannot be anything but perfect holiness or perfect righteousness or perfect love. It's not that he looks over things. You, you recognize that. It's not that he just bear hugs everything. See, he is a he is a just judge and he is going to bring about justice and equity and and condemnation to the world for those who don't repent. But he cannot violate his nature. See, he is not an author of sin, and he's not going to cause sin to be produced in my life. Now, please recognize that, yes, God is sovereign. He oversees this whole thing, that he is smack dab in the middle of every situation. But it's not that he is puppeteering every action in my life. See, biblically, there's this beautiful tension that God is sovereign and he's in control and he has the authority and everything must be submitted to him. And yet I, as a human, have been given free will. That I get choices of whether I want to respond and pursue him or not. That if I go and I lie, it's not that God was like, ha ha ha, I was puppeteering you and I was forcing you to lie. See, God doesn't do that because he is not a liar. Now, I want you to take all of that and recognize what a phenomenal concept that is. You realize that if God cannot violate his nature, if God is who he is and he cannot change. I mean, there's so many passages in scripture that talk about the fact that God is always the same, that he does not change. For, for example, Psalm 102 verse 27 says, you are the same. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord. I do not change. James 1, 17 Speaking about God, it says, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So you recognize that if God cannot change and he cannot violate his nature, what that means practically for our lives is that we can trust him, that he's not wishy-washy. See, it wasn't that he was a mean, nasty God in the Old Testament stomping on people's heads and just killing people. And then here he comes to earth as Jesus and, oh, he's kind and he's merciful and he's loving. And But wait, he's coming back and he's going to be stomping on people's heads and throwing them into the abyss. Burn, baby, burn. See, that that's not God's nature. See, God doesn't change. How he was in the Old Testament is the exact same way he was when he, when he was in the physical form of, in Jesus. And it's the exact same way he'll be when he returns. That God doesn't change. And the best picture of God's nature and his character is, well, look at Christ, that Jesus is the exact repl- re- representation. He's the replica of the divine image that when, when you look at Jesus, you actually see God. You see how God thinks and how God speaks and how God acts and how God loves, which means when you go into the Old Testament, you have to see the Old Testament in light of Jesus. And when you look at his return, the fact that he's bringing judgment, that's true, but you have to see it in the light of Jesus. Why? Because he does not change. And that is amazing because if he does not change and he cannot violate his nature, then I can actually trust him. See, trust comes through consistency over time. That if you lose trust with somebody, which takes just but a second, isn't it interesting that it takes a very long time to rebuild trust? And the reasoning is you can't just say, well, I promise I'll change. No, no, no. Trust comes through practical application. It comes through practical living. It comes through the consistency of living over time. That it's not just doing it once. It's I'm consistently living as I say I'm going to be living. And that begins to build trust. Well, if God cannot violate his nature and he never changes, do you realize that you can actually trust him? He is a rock upon which you can stand. That when the winds and the waves begin to pound upon your life, there's actually something solid upon which you can stand. And it is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why? Because he cannot violate his nature and he never changes, which tells us that God is always faithful. And so you begin to recognize then that if God cannot violate his nature and God cannot change, well, then it doesn't matter the circumstance or the situation. I can trust him. That, hey, even if things get cloudy and foggy and I'm not really sure what's going on, there's one place, there's one hope, there's one person that I can put my trust in because he's never failed. He's not going to let me go. He, he's promised to never leave me or, nor forsake me. See, he doesn't change. He cannot violate his nature. See, he's never going to lie to me. So when I come to the word, I recognize that the word of God is in fact the words of God. I can trust it because he's not a liar. And he always tells the truth because he is the truth, which means when there's promises in scripture, I can believe them and I can take him to the bank. Why? Because he can't violate his nature, that he is not a liar. If I'm going to trust God, I got to trust that he is stable, that he's not changing, that I have something solid to build my, my life upon, that my faith actually has a rock to stand upon. Well, what is that? Well, that's Jesus Christ. So when you begin to recognize that God, there's one thing God cannot do, which is violate his nature. And because he cannot violate his nature and he does not change, that begins to change every aspect of your life. Because in every situation and every good thing and every bad thing and every trial and temptation, 
You can actually throw yourself upon him and you can trust in his goodness and his mercy and his love. The fact that he says that, hey, in me, you are more than a conqueror. That you don't have to be pushed around by sin. That you don't have to walk in fear and anxiety. That you don't have to be pushed around by the emotions. Hey, that you don't have to be consumed by pride or greed or lust or or whatever it may be. That, hey, there is triumph in me. And I don't lie. I cannot violate my nature. And I do not change. So this isn't just true today. This is true for all eternity. I can trust him. Therefore, I can put my faith in him. Well, I would encourage you, no matter what you are facing today, whatever you, whatever the trials and the circumstances and the situations may be, will you recognize that God cannot violate his nature, that, that he does not change, and therefore I can trust and put my faith and my hope in him, that, that he's not just going to take me along and then drop me. See, that's not God's nature. And perhaps you're listening saying, well, Nathan, I don't, I don't actually know God's nature very well. Can I encourage you to get to know him? Can I encourage you to freshly come to the word of God, which is the revelation of himself and just say, hey, God, will you teach me who you are? Will you show me your character and will you reveal truth about who you are? Because I I need to build my life on something solid. And if you can't violate your nature and you cannot change, maybe I need to get acquainted with you better so that when the winds and the waves come, I'm actually immovable. I'm, I'm not pushed around. I don't live in fear because I know who my God is. Well, I'm praying that God becomes bigger and mightier in your life as you get to know him more. And the fact that there is one amazing thing that he cannot do. And because of that, he can actually change our life because we can put our hope and trust in him. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 144 for episode 144. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.